I think I just saw a quick pop-up about how Skype has improved my experience. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, they're <laughs> always working on my experience. Yeah, what's wrong with your experience? I've got to keep improving it. Yeah, all the things I'm experiencing with my experiences. Must have started off pretty bad. Mm, mm, it's a slog. I'm always uh, reluctant to hit the call recorder update. That That's one of those... I know, I, I keep off of that for a long time, but eventually I have to give in, and I do it. Yeah. Well, a lot of people in the Slack talk about having problems. I, you know, knock on everything. I, Of all the problems I have with Skype, it's almost completely with the... I mean, I don't love the app, but it's with the occasional mystery meat transport problems. The call recorder works fine. It's just the totally out of nowhere, what, one call out of eight, one call out of ten where you just can't get a connection. And yep. Now, what do you think that is? Do you think that's, that's something having to do with routing? Yeah, I think it's internet weather. That's my yeah. theory. That, that's the only thing that makes sense, really. But we talked about this before. I mean, everybody, it's a Anna Karenina. You have different problems with different people that are replicable, like just <laughs> enough to make you feel insane. Like, like uh, you, you're going to drop the reference and then mangle it so badly that unless people have already heard the reference and know exactly what you meant, there's no way they're going to get it. They're totally going like, to they, know. That's not even Googleable anymore. Sure. It's like Anna Karenina, then say something <laughs> totally unrelated. To, what are you to talking about? It's saying. like throwing yourself on the train tracks. No spoilers. <laughs> Mike, Mike, please drop a spoiler warning for Anna Karenina, the 1877 <laughs> novel by Leo Tolstoy. Isn't that like the opening sentence? Well, oh, no, the famous line. Yeah, uh, unhappy families, uh, uh, unhappy in different ways, well, right? See, now it's you, so I've got to get it exactly right. Well, just Google it. That's All happy families are alike, semicolon. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. No, actually, I think it wasn't in Russian. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. I want to get it exactly right. And you're, re- and you're reading me the semicolons. Like, the, that's exactly right. This, the semicolon. Yeah. So, Anna Karenina is a lot like Skype. Yeah. No, no spoilers. Well, you know, that old chestnut. We've heard that one a million times, right? Um, you know, I've never, uh, I've never read the book. Me neither. I've read a little of it. Hey, you know, I watched, I watched uh, probably like 10, 15 minutes of um, Millennium Actress. It's really good. Did you did you watch Voices of Distant, Distant Star? Yeah, I told you I did. We talked about it. Do we talk about it on here? No. Well, we you better drop a la- spoiler warning. Last spoiler we'll warning. That. Spoilers. Last show, I recommended that you watch it, and you said you would. And it was only twenty minutes long, and maybe I. Met, I oh, that was I weeks ago. That was it. weeks yeah. ago. That was a long time ago. This but is you like did, you did watch it. So listen, no spoilers for the TV show Mr. Show, but this is a lot like <laughs> the episode of Mr. Show. Uh, it's the Colin Show, and you go you keep, yeah. keep yeah, the pre-tape Colin Show. Mm-hmm. We should drop a spoiler warning there. All right, so you you keep wanting to talk about spoilers because you're all cranky about it. So why don't you ha- why don't you have your say? Let's circle back. Let's circle system. back. Let's circle back to that. No, let's go. Just do it now because Mm-mm. there's no sense in Mm-mm. you sniping about spoilers for the first 15 minutes. Well, for people who haven't heard this podcast yet, we should we should warn people that we're going to talk about spoilers. We'll also we'll drop an audio bit at the beginning. Uh, we'll have chapter markers for all the points that we've mentioned the word spoilers because people just hearing about spoilers makes them very upset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So go do your spiel. I enjoyed it. Uh, we no, te- we text- about spoilers. Well, we're going to circle back to the anime? No, we're not. you're going to talk about spoilers first, and then we're going to move on to the other stuff. You need boundaries. I'm setting them. <laughs> I'll help you with the spoiler thing. I have things to say, too, but I feel like you have something to say. You have something to tell the class. I have very complex and mixed feelings well, I don't have mixed feelings about the idea of not spoiling things for people. I have mixed feelings about what I perceive to be 
an obsessive culture about what is even considered a spoiler about things. And I'm especially uh, becoming a little bit frustrated about the bar on spoilers at this point being so low that it's very difficult to talk about anything without an implicit admonition to just not talk about stories for anything that isn't more than anything that's less than a few years old. And I just want to clarify, um, as much as things I say will mitigate against this, I, I don't like spoiling things for people. I don't like being spoiled on things. I just think people's idea of what a spoiler is has become so bananas at this point that it's, that it's 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 frustrating to me and it's frustrating with the show because if we mention anything on this show and then we feel like we need to say something that it might be a spoiler we get you know a small barrage of notes from people about how they can't even begin to listen to the episode because it might contain something called a spoiler about something so i just want to clarify i i'm not against avoiding spoiling things i just don't i don't have a place to talk about the media with which i am obsessed when i talk to you we don't we don't have an outline that says, like, this five minutes, we're going to talk about this thing. We shuck and we jive and we talk, and that's why I enjoy this program. If we end up, you know, saying something that reveals a lot about it, we try to bracket that. It's just, I, I but I feel like you've heard, you, you see me go back and forth with Slack about, like, I just don't even want to say there's a spoiler because people get this sour look on their face about the whole idea of there being a spoiler. So I am struggling with my feelings of not wanting to spoil things, but I'm also struggling with the fact that there's so much stuff that I love and I want to talk about and I don't want to have to retroactively go through and add metadata for every discussion I have with people. Yeah, I mostly agree with you, except for the part where you're mad about people being mad, because I'm okay with people being mad. But like, as I, as I said, when we discussed this in Slack, I think it's all about the context of the discussion. Um, I'm also pretty vehemently anti-spoiler, and I think the context can make spoiling things worse. So if you are just hanging out somewhere on the internet talking about woodworking with your friends and someone does a drive-by and at the end of their post on woodworking post a spoiler for like the new harry potter book that just came out that right, is right. that is a terrible thing to do because there's no reasonable expectation that harry potter spoilers would be contained in a discussion about woodworking that has nothing to do with harry potter but if we are on a podcast and we're going to talk about a movie that we just saw start to get into the territory of if you are super spoiler sensitive Maybe don't listen to any podcast where people discuss a movie you haven't yet seen if you're if you're very sensitive to spoilers about that movie. Now, it's an open question. Hey, when I read movie reviews, they don't have spoilers. Why should your discussion on a podcast have spoilers? I mean, A, uh, podcasts are not movie reviews. But B, there's plenty of things in movie reviews that could be considered a spoiler. I don't read reviews of movies that I know I'm going to see anyway that I don't want spoiled. Had I not seen the new Star Wars on opening day, there's no way I would have gone near a review. I wouldn't have looked at the title of the review. I wouldn't have looked at the ratings. I listened to nothing. I saw nothing. Like, if you are spoiler-averse, you know, about a particular story, a particular movie, a particular whatever, you can't listen to or watch or read anything about it. I yeah. avoided everything having to do with Star Wars for months, right? But, That's but with what the corollary being do. that if you're on your beloved uh, woodworking Usenet group, you wouldn't want somebody to, to drop a spoiler bomb apropos of nothing that you right. had no way to even protect yourself from i mean yeah so there should be there should be places where that's just a terrible jerky thing to do but if on our podcast we're going to talk about a movie that we both saw chances are good that there's going to be spoilers now on I, on top of that i will often say in cases where i feel like 
that is really important for people not to be spoiled about. It doesn't mean that there's a twist, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, just because, you know, oh, right. spoiled, it might mean there's a twist. Just, just because I feel like people should go in fresh without knowing anything about this. Not because there's a twist. It could be a very straightforward story, but very often it's maybe not what they expect. Like, the title of the movie tells you nothing. The title of the movie is green or something. And I don't want to tell you anything about it. Just go in, you know, don't, if, uh, we're going to discuss, you know, the fictional movie green right now. But please do not listen to this if you haven't seen it. You don't know anything about that movie. You don't know if it's a twist ending. It could be a very straightforward story, but you don't know what it's about. And you're going in completely blind. It could be a story about farming. It could be a story about aliens. You have no idea, right? That's There are many cases in which I may think that for, you know, I'm going to tell you, and you don't have to listen. You can say, okay, I don't care. I'm never going to watch this anyway. I'm just going to listen to the discussion. But uh, but all, all this is to say, this is a very roundabout, passive-aggressive uh, way of apologizing for not putting spoiler warnings in front of things that we talked about in the last episode that might have spoiled things. Because in general, I like to put those warnings and things, but if we fail to put them on, then Merlin gets cranky about the fact that we failed and he knows people are going to be mad about it and he doesn't want to have to, he doesn't have to bend over backward to satisfy those people because there is a reasonable expectation, I think, that certain <sighs> things will be spoiled when we discuss. <sighs> Here he goes, covering himself with glory. I'm apologizing on behalf of my both of us for well, not and I, spoiler and, but, warning. Yeah, but, but you see, don't like, think you're there's always to you're, you're always the good cop. Ugh, it's so annoying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just the bad cop who made you talk about spoilers. Oh, you're horrible. No, <laughs> I was. And I, so here, I'll allow this one. And I, 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 I don't know if you listen to other things I do. I'm not a fan of recursive. Let's talk about what we're talking about. I, I don't like that on a podcast. But I'm going to slip my rule slip here. Um, I have to admit that it wasn't until i went and listened back see now what are we going to say i feel like i <laughs> i feel like I'm, I'm locked in a series of boxes we discussed a recently released movie a movie that we were reminded by a friend of ours was not even out in the country in which he lived it wasn't until i went and listened back that i realized i, I realized that i s- said more about what happens in that movie than i realized or would have wanted to and i think we agreed provisionally like you know as our friend suggested, we might want to put in a spoiler warning here. Well, and so, that, that's a special case because that's you're talking about Mike, right? I can't say. It's a spoiler. The one person who actually has to listen to our podcast as part of his job because he yeah. edits it, right? That's, yeah, it was, that's it was really a, more like he was looking for a spoiler right. Like that's, that's just a, a hazard of your work. If you edit a podcast, you kind of can't edit it without listening to it. And that means right. even if we had a spoiler warning, it's not like he'd say, okay, I just won't, I won't edit this podcast. He's got to do it as part well, of his job. So it's a bummer I, for him, but oh, yes. occupational hazard. I just want to get to the part where I get to apologize for what I want to actually apologize for, which was that, yes, I, I didn't realize until I went and listened back that I had said more than I meant to about the plot of a recently released movie. And I did feel bad about it. And I am... Mike suggested we put in the spoiler warning, and I'm not exactly, I'm not against that. I just, I, I'll get to the precedent in a minute. But I would say I am sorry for anybody for whom we told, basically, I don't think we spoiled the movie, but like we mentioned plot points that were completely, completely predictable plot points. But anyway, that's okay. I, I, that, I did get that wrong. And here's what we really got wrong. The problem is people don't read show notes. Including people, well, Marco doesn't even read the Google documents. But, I could have told you that, yeah. No, yeah. I don't people don't read exist. the show notes, and people aren't going to notice that there were chapter markers. When I'm, I, but that brings me right up to the edge of, do we want to drop audio at the beginning of this, that a four-minute part of this two-hour podcast mentions these things about a movie that's out right now? And that walks right up to the edge of my sanity, because, and I'll let you respond now, but I, I, I join you in apologizing. I'm the bad cop. 
I'm the one who always wants to ruin everything for everyone. But I do, I agree with you that we probably could have handled that better. And I hope we have not ruined that for people. I have more to say, but you go ahead. I mostly agree with all that, except to add that we didn't blurt it out right in the beginning. Like we leaned into that conversation slowly about the movie. And I think that's just, if you are particularly spoiler averse, as I am about many things, you have to learn that when you're listening to a podcast and it seems like they're going to start discussing a movie you haven't seen, skip over, stop it at that point, like do whatever it is you need to do. Don't say, well, they're discussing this movie I haven't seen, but so far they haven't said anything that's spoilery, so I'll just keep listening. Well, part of that is because the cult- the culture on the internet right now, the, the, the internet that I read and experience is is something that's becoming much more radicalized which is there there are mm, i don't know if i go that far okay well it's just it's a it's a thing that i feel and i here here's another one we had talked about a movie many episodes ago that you like a lot and you suggested that i watch it became a running bit for perhaps months a couple months that i had still not watched the movie you recommended i finally did watch the movie that you recommended now as it happens this is a movie where it's good to go into this movie not knowing a whole lot about what happens. It does have a twist, but even before you get to the twist, there's all kinds of good stuff you just wouldn't necessarily... You're better off not knowing. I've forgotten what movie this is. Remind me. You're killing me. I've already forgotten. Oh, I got it now. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> you just, uh, I'm, I'm an old man. Go on. Let's make me the bad cop. And so what do we do? We had the biggest amount of like frenetic hand waving that now we're going to do this thing that happens on podcasts sometimes, which is we are going to talk in detail about a movie, a movie that was released many years ago. doesn't matter. We're going to, we're going to be real. We're going to talk about what happened in this movie to discuss this movie and why John likes it so much. We're going to have to reveal certain things about the movie that are absolutely spoilers. We're, we're going to spoil the living crap out of this movie. And so what did we do? We put a note in. We put in chapter markers. We were very judicious about this. I don't think we had an audio pre-roll. I mean, that's... We that's, didn't need a pre-roll, but like we talked about it as we led into the conversation. I think that's appropriate because like I think there's a range of like we're going to talk about a movie, general feelings, maybe hit the, the parts that you liked or didn't like, yeah. versus we're going to go in-depth on this movie and discuss in detail the critical pieces of the story and every single thing about it. And th- that's worth putting one sentence in and saying, hey, if I'm you not haven't seen this movie, stop listening no. now if you care about spoilers because we're going to spoil the whole no, thing. No, listen, good cop. What I'm telling you is what we did, that we did everything right up to the point of being a weirdo up to the point of being a, a super weirdo and like having like you know you know r- repetitious audio announcements uh, you know, as a pre-roll or whatever we did all that and you know what i think we handled it very well i enjoyed our discussion of that film and when it was done we went on to talk some about other things but then we got feedback we got feedback there were people for weeks that were like i think half jokingly or ribbingly telling i still can't listen to that episode so why is that bad like why does that bother you i think that's fine great thumbs up system working as designed yes but i also i mean i put this show out for people to to be able to listen to and enjoy and i don't want to do things that that hinder that but what i'm describing right there is part of the atmosphere that i feel has come around cuz okay so and, and again, I, I'm more sympathetic to this than I sound. But I mean, you take something like a show that's on Netflix, maybe even a show that's on HBO, but especially a show that's on Netflix. People who, you know, when there's a new season of a certain show that drops, there are people who are going to watch, you know, as fast as they can, as much as they can. They're going to, you know, as they say, binge watch that. People with no kids. Yeah, I know them. Yeah. <laughs> 
my daughter was six, so she blew through all of Gravity Falls in about five days. <laughs> but um, but then on the other hand, there's a lot of folks that are just they're not going to have a chance. Maybe they're in a country where this fil- a film has not been released yet, or, or so it's. I feel like there's a gi- just a giant giant gray area where to be a decent person, you should not put stuff in front of people that's going to spoil it for them. But like, is it okay to make an arch remark? You know, I mean, this is not even getting to the deeper issue. And this is why I thought this was actually an interesting topic beyond my bitching is like this changing nature of what we consider a spoiler, because I think it's changed a lot, especially in the last five or 10 years. And I think it's worth examining why it's changed. It was one thing to say, like, listen, there's stuff that happens in Return of the Jedi. And or why do I keep saying that? There's stuff that happens in The Empire Strikes Back. And there's something that you might hear about that happened in that movie. But like, you know, don't tell people that. I raised my daughter to never tell people what happens in Empire Strikes Back. Or to say like, you know, uh, oh, listen, Crying Game. It's a pretty good movie, but like there is something really that'll really shock you in that don't tell people. Those to me are spoilers. The, the bad part is that even telling somebody that there is this big spoiler is in itself a spoiler of its own. I don't think this is a new phenomenon at all. The only thing that's new is that we are all exposed to so much more information than before. It comes at us from all different directions. It is with us at all times, yeah. potentially. Uh, I think spoiler sensitivity is the same as it was before. I think what constitutes a spoiler is the same as it was before. It's just that the the environment is now more dangerous, that they could be around at any corner. Like, nothing is safe. You're, you're reading your email and you get a junk spam in it that spoils the crying game, right? Because it's some clever marketing... Uh, gimmick that a spam person came up with and right in the subject line it ruins the movie for you like that was never a risk before you're you're browsing twitter and someone posts a a joke meme image that spoils the end of game of thrones right that was not a risk before because there was no twitter there was like just ambient it's like it's like being in your woodworking forum like no place is safe because even in the woodworking forum someone could say i found this hilarious gif that even though it's not about uh, woodworking at all it's so funny i'm going to make it my signature on my web bulletin board and boom there in your face is is the spoiler right that's what's changed (laughs) Uh, it's reek on a cross take it down yeah and so like i think the what you're seeing is like the the frustration is so hard to hide that you have to go to extremes like I went to with Star Wars of like just crazy amounts of filtering and just cutting off entire sections of the internet for weeks as the date approached because that's the only reasonable way to do it. And so people feel like it's a hostile environment for like not that people are out to get them, but that there's no place they can go because the internet is so integral to every part of life now. Yes. That it feels like uh, an affront to be able to not go on it. But that's just that's not because people are taking glee and putting spoilers in front of people's face any more than they used to it's just that there are so many outlets that it's yeah there's too there's too many bullets flying through the air there's no way to to uh to avoid it except for just to, to check out entirely and that's that's a reasonable source of anger but i think just everyone you know has to deal with it in their own way like either you know the things that you really care about spoilers but it's like pick them because it takes a considerable effort to avoid them i know i've done it and other things be okay with uh you know just decide ahead of time. Am I going to be okay if I get a spoil for this movie that I'm kind of interested in, but maybe not? Maybe I'll wait for it to come on video uh, versus this movie I've been waiting for for a decade. And, you know, you gotta you got to choose your battles. Anyway, most people, I think, don't mind. And I think the best thing we can do as podcasters is... I want to get to that. I, I, wanna, I want us to, on this episode, establish a policy for this. Oh, uh, yeah, like we're going to follow a policy. We anyway. will, but, but there's, I just want to clarify. So you've got two of the big points. They're, they seem obvious, but let's call them out. Two big points. First of all... The way that we consume, I'm going to say in, in particular TV shows. But you're talking a lot about movies, I think. But I think TV shows are difficult because you can, well, you can and many people do consume them immediately and quickly. 
Whereas, of course, there's this group over here that's saying, oh, no, no, I'm saving up. Don't tell me I'm saving up uh, a house of cards. Like, don't tell me anything about it. But on the one hand, you have, you have the media coming out really fast and in, in huge bursts. The second part that you're describing is the availability of ways to talk about this and be told about this. That's all true. I mean, that's that's all real. There's this third part, though, that I think is important, which is the people who are super, super into, especially TV shows. And it isn't that they're deliberately being spoilery, but they treat it more like a combination of like sports and detective work, right? They're, they're, I mean, I don't think this is just shovel blogs. I think there are, are people out there that want to see every photo on set of what's happening you know, with the season, the future season of this show, like, where was that? You know, you can go see this with Doctor Who. You'll see these crazy things people put together with, like, who was on site in what outfit at what point. You see this. I, now, me, I'm trying to avoid this with Walking Dead because Google News just keeps spitting stuff at me all the time that wants to tell me what people's, you know, reckons are. I think that's an important third part is whether or not those people mean to be spoilery. There is a fairly substantial corner of the internet where people are doing detective work and, and want to share it or like are such such fans that they can barely contain themselves. So that's you know, that's more like a Tumblr thing where there's... That, boy, that, that subculture always existed. Again, like Blue Harvest and all the, the rumors of, uh, I guess there were magazines back in the days before the internet. Uh, but just like everything else, the internet made that culture more accessible to more people and uh-huh. made more people able to be basically publishers within that culture. And it broadened the circle and it's uh, it's it's all in the same network as everything else. Whereas before you had to explicitly subscribe to whatever hollywood trade leak publication that would give you this information on like a monthly basis because that's the best information conveyance vehicle we had for this and it was like from a, a, a very few sources to a very small number of people with much difficulty you would never accidentally run across unless maybe you lived in hollywood or something you ran across one of these magazines and saw on the cover some big reveal picture but like uh it, it's just it's just magnified and it's it's more you you have a higher chance of running across it accidentally Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is all this is all part and parcel of the internet and our interconnected interconnected age. Blah blah blah. I think it's on all of us to come up with ways to deal with it. What do you What do you think? Because like I uh, I treasure this time uh, to to visit with you, and very selfishly, I enjoy talking to you about these things that that you know a lot about, and you've thought about more than me. You've seen longer than me. Like for me, you know, that was Walking Dead for a while. Leftovers right now, it's Game of Thrones. I'm just like freaking out over Game of Thrones right now. Um, so I, I like having that opportunity. I, I like the fact that we can talk in passing about some piece of media, you know, in the context of whatever the discussion is at the time. But to be responsible citizen podcasters, what do you think we should do or do differently to be respectful of our listeners and to make sure that we don't unintentionally like where's our line and then how do we decide how not to spoil it for people i think we already did this in the past ones but like the the first and easiest one is if we're going to go super in-depth about something whatever it may be say that at a time with one little sentence takes two seconds to do not a big deal and ideally put it towards the back half of the podcast because Mm -hmm. then it's easier they don't have to try to be like oh i don't know how far to skip forward and where is there a timestamp? and my podcast client doesn't support chapter markers and I don't know where the show notes are, and I don't know how to advance to a timestamp anyway. Like, if you just put it at the end of the podcast, then people can just pause it and pick up there. there people who care can pause it and pick up there after they've seen the thing, or just stop it and say, I'm not going to listen to the rest of this episode, right? So that's that's the easiest thing you can do is p- put it at the end. And then everything else, like, I think it's just... <sighs> If we're gonna, we have to know one of those. Which one of those two things are we doing? Are we just talking about it in generalities? If we start talking about it in generalities, I feel there's no need to put spoiler warnings on it because 
even though it's generalities, we're going to say something that reveals something about it. Otherwise, we're saying nothing. It's like, I thought it was kind of good. I thought it was bad because of reasons that I can't go into because they're no, we're always going to say something, but we're not going to reveal like how it turns out in the end, right? <laughs> you know, how does the story go? What is the end? We're not going to do that, right? But if you are very spoiler sensitive and you hear us start talking about it, I feel like we tend to ease into these things. Like, skip forward a little bit. We can't, you know, we can't be policing everybody's brains and, uh, and what they're in charge of what goes into their ear holes. Well, it's easy to police when you're the good cop. I don't know. I understand how I'm the, I don't think you understand how good cop, bad cop works, first of no, all. I think you and don't second understand. Of all, you don't understand. <laughs> I don't think I'm the good cop or the bad cop. <laughs> Can I get you a cup of coffee? Hmm? This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Squarespace the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter the very special offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, at checkout, and that will get you 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. Because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. Squarespace puts all the power you need into your hands and takes away the pain points Stuff like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of skill level, with no coding required. You'll easily be able to make your website look and feel exactly how you want. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site, and that ensures security and stability. They are trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected companies in the world. And their site templates are just stunning to look at. They all feature responsive design, so they're going to look great on all sizes of a device. That's just getting started. Squarespace has tons of awesome features. They have 24 by 7 support via live chat and email. They have teams in New York, Dublin, and Portland there to help you. You get Squarespace's commerce platform. That allows you to sell stuff from your very own site. You get a store. The cover page functionality, you can build great-looking single-page websites. All of this rock-solid, fast hosting, and so much more. If you want to stretch Squarespace even further, you should check out their dev platform. This lets you dig into the code and tinker with your very own Squarespace site. And if you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Craziest of all, Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. So please today go start your trial with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, be sure to use that offer code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S, That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase, and it will show your support for Reconcilable Differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. All right, so I feel like we got that all out of our system. Your crankiness has been expunged. You are now a beautiful beacon of light instead of the... uh crumbly old badger that you are when you're angry about spoilers i want to put that on a pennant as i as i ride toward westeros crumbly badger oh man i've been diving deep into uh, season five i don't even know what season number is it the most recent season it's the penultimate season no is that it's not the penultimate we are two seasons away from the end of the series so the penultimate season is next season Good cop. No, that's just correct definitions of words. What season is season five? Is it the one that just finished correct cop. <laughs> no, I've been watching... Uh, Grammar you know. Police is right there, and you're just not even... You're just leaving it. No, that's you. You're the good cop. You're the one who comes with all the good references. Mm-hmm. Library Jesus. policeman. Yeah. 
That's a reference you don't get. No, um, you, never you know, read that. we just finished. Don't tell me what I haven't read. Just because you read the library policeman? Did you read the library policeman? Oh, sure. Uh, Philip nope. K. No, no Dick. Googling it. You it was, didn't uh, read no, it. come on. Library policeman? I know that's uh, Ray Bradbury. Keep going. Keep trying. Just <clears> Google it. Yeah, plenty of time. Plenty of time to type. I can't hear your keyboard. Oh, come on. I'll get it. Is it science, is it science fiction? <laughs> it's not 20 questions. I'll get it. <laughs> Would it fit into a satchel? You could have gotten it based on, uh, you know, what you know of me. Are, no, am that, I the kind no, of man who... What about yeah. the, the singing detective? Uh, uh, Cry my heart, said the policeman's hat. It's uh, Philip K. Dick. It's got to be. It's always Philip K. Dick. It's always Dick. Anyway, congratulations on being the good cop. Uh, <laughs> no, see, we just finished season six. And I've been uh, rewatching many of those episodes. Season five is the one that came before that. I don't want to okay. say anymore because it'd be a spoiler. But are you watching it backwards in time as your namesake, <laughs> uh, as befitting your namesake? No, not rock. Yeah, that is not how like you wrote it into the chat. I'm sure. You no, I just googled uh, anal nathrak and uh, yeah. pasted that in. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of bummed that it said anal because I figured Glenn would jump on that. Hmm. Um, it's good. It's good. So I I, uh, I skipped over a bunch of season five because I wasn't super into it. I know you're backfilling, sort of. I'm backfilling. So I mean, I've really I've watched every episode this season and really liked it. There's no, there's a spoiler here. Stop me. But I categorically love this season. The last two episodes have been beyond epic, and then I've been going back and backfilling a little bit because uh, because to catch up to start season six, I watched the very important last episode of season five, mm-hmm. and then I actually watched that again last night. That is a very very good show. I can see why you. I don't want to say like. What, what, how is the way you phrase this? That's the show, like, you, you don't miss that? Yeah, like, it's my, you watch in my tier one shows. I watch it when it airs, both for spoiler reasons and because I really, it's, a, it's a show I most look forward to on television right now. Walking Dead is close, but uh, yeah. Game of Thrones is the top. Yeah, I'm coming around to that. Um, yep, 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 yep. Okay, that's enough said about that. We uh, Was there any other follow-up stuff? I don't think so. Oh, you got to tell me about Voices of, of a Distant Star. We, didn't, didn't we talk about this? No. I just I just listened to last week's episode today, as I usually do. I finish up listening to the episode right before we record, and that was me suggesting that you watch it and tell me We just me pasted in what we said long. in text? No. Well, I watched it, and I you you admonished me because I, I think I think I was... So this is an anime feature. It's a short film. Um by Satoshi Kone. Did I get it on the first try? Uh, different guy, but you no. got that guy's ah, name right. Damn it. Ah. <laughs> I thought I was finally going to impress you. The Cimmerillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, and it, I, uh, yeah, I did watch it. Um, and uh, I liked it a lot, but I think I was overwatching it because I kept waiting for a big twist. But um, it's funny, between that and what I've watched a Millennium Actress, I, I kind of feel like I'm ready to take a dive on anime because i think i'm and i listened to just a little bit of you guys talking about it on the incomparable um and so like quick sidebar is um i'm sorry this is such an ignorant ignorant question is miyazaki considered anime yes see in my head when i think of anime i think of like girls with giant eyes Mm -hmm. and like upskirts like am i wrong no you're not wrong Uh, but it's a (laughs) it's a pretty umbrella pretty big umbrella term I mean, just, like, if you were to look up the definition, I'm sure it would just say, like, uh, animation made in Japan after World War II. I thought War it was II. girls in sailor suits tittering and with their underpants That's sticking out. That's definitely a subgenre, subgenre for sure. Okay. Um, um, but I think I, given how much, let me put it this way, given how much my 
love for uh, how do you say Studio Ghibli? Ghibli. Given my love for Studio Ghibli movies and how much of what I love about those movies are things like the backgrounds, you know, um, and the the thematic stuff, but just how it looks. I think I need to spend more time on anime because I, I actually enjoy the voices of a dis- distant star more than I expected. I, I thought it was sumptuous. And especially when hearing the backstory, no spoilers, <laughs> hearing the backstory on how it was made made it you know, three times more impressive. So, yeah, I think what you should watch next is, I mean, I don't know if you listened to all of that uh, anime episode, which we will link in the show notes. And, uh, uh, we have a series on uh, the Incomparable podcast where I talk about anime. Dr. Syracuse's like, anime. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Jason made up the name. Anyway, like once a year or so, we watch a couple of anime things and talk about them in a complete spoiler-filled way. So obviously don't listen to those episodes if you haven't seen the things. But the idea is that we sort of assign the reading or the viewing in this case ahead of time and say, hey, we're going to do a podcast about these two movies. Watch the movies ahead of time and then enjoy the podcast after. It's like a book club. You know, you read the book ahead of time and then you talk about it. Anyway, um, in the most recent one, we did Voices of a Distant Star and Five Centimeters Per Second, both by the same guy. Um and you should probably watch that one next. You should watch all of Millennium Actress. I just realized, by the way, that the YouTube link we provided for Millennium Actress, yeah. if you don't subscribe to YouTube Red or do some other thing, it has commercials in it, which is terrible. Well, so I would you know recommend- what's funny is the Paramount... The, I found the Paramount... I feel that the Paramount Vault's link to the YouTube channel and that, that video is really obscured. Like, if you go in and search for... A search that's usually bulletproof. In this case, YouTube Millennium Actress... Like, it's kind of, it doesn't pop up. It's weird. I wonder if it's somehow, you know, robots.txt or something. Like, it doesn't yeah. immediately pop up, which it seems like that should really come straight to the top. Yeah, it might just be a bad search because not a lot of people are finding it. It is obscure. But what I mean by commercials is in the middle of the movie, you'll be oh, watching it, and God. then all of a sudden an ad will start playing. And that is unacceptable as far as I'm concerned. I know it's hard to find this movie. It's available on DVD. It's probably out of print. I don't think it's available. It's a beautiful movie. On Blu-ray anymore. Like, it's one of these situations where I say, look, it's worth paying for one month of YouTube Red to just watch the movie without uh, any ads in it because I just it it is I I can't I can't accept the idea of watching a movie and then it's like it's like watching like The Godfather and then like three times during the movie Geico Lizard comes on no right. just yeah. n o no that is not out and maybe maybe you have a higher tolerance than you listener have a higher tolerance for that than I do but I think it's terrible and it's a situation where I would say find any way possible to watch this without commercials buy the dvd a used copy of the dvd off you know Amazon. wait now are you you're saying the paramount vault version has ads in it yes and you're i didn't kidding. realize that because i pay for youtube red so i never see ads on youtube oh. period but i was well, we, like we a, joked about or you know discussed how funny it was that they didn't just make that like a you know five dollar ten dollar download somewhere like but so they're monetizing it with yeah so like drop, they, they can get point zero 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 one cents every time someone watches it oh, that's so gross well, I, I thought, uh, so let's get back to the original point. I mean, I, so, oh boy, you're really going to kill me. So I watched the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, already, you already told me that. I'm, I'm already. Well, no, but I was just going to say, like, it's, I already see why you recommended it. And thank you. It's exactly, it's right in the pocket for my, like, wackadoodle movie thing. So thank you for that. Um, but also, even in the little bit that I watched, like, little surprises, little not what I expected. I love the interviewer guy. He was not what I expected. I love that. Um, the Voices of a Distant Star. So, yeah, the problem with that was I was overthinking that. I need to watch it again. I thought there was going to be a huge twist and a huge reveal, and so I didn't just enjoy its its loveliness as it was. Um, and I popped, just because you guys were spooging so hard on five centimeters a second, I, I popped it open. Oh, my God. What an exquisite-looking movie. 
looks incredibly beautiful. And then I just shut it, just closed it down. I saw some rain or something, I just closed it down, that's it. But I think this might be a genre I want to spend some time with. Yeah, and if you like that kind of thing, like the, it's and this kind of type of anime is unfortunately, or, and I guess explicably, very much like the Hollywood movies that we're familiar with, whereas we're, we are such seasoned viewers of Hollywood movies, sci-fi, fantasy genre, that we can see the budget on the screen. You can tell when you're watching a low-budget movie versus a $200 million James Cameron thing. Like, we can, you know, as as uh, people who grew up uh, in America watching these kind of movies, we can look at it and go, oh, it's not, you know, why does this movie look different than that one? It's like, well, duh, that one had a budget of, of $250 million, and this one had a budget of $10 million. That's why, that's why Primer doesn't look like, you know, The Force Awakens, right? We can right. we can see that, right? So anime is exactly the same. And as you watch more of these movies, you realize it's not as if one director or, uh, you know, one studio can make better-looking anime. It just takes, obviously it takes talent, but it also takes money. And the more money you have, the more amount of talented artists and time you can put into a movie and the more amazing it can look. And so that's why Voices of a Distant Star is so great, because that was made basically by one person. Uh, now, is that a spoiler? Because if you can, if you if that's not a spoiler, please share the fact about that movie and how it was made. Yeah, it's not It's not a spoiler. I mean, it wasn't really made by one person. It's possible for one person to do anything, but it was... I mean, talk about an auteur, though. Like, like one guy and his girlfriend, basically, <laughs> plus some, some music. And he's doing computer rendering on, like, his, his Macintosh at home. Like, it's it's very... Animation is, is very much like a large production in that usually a single person can't do it all. Like, mm-hmm. you have to have fleets of people doing things. So there's just a lot of... Especially in the times before a computer, there's just a lot of manual labor. But even, like, a computer animated thing. Like, how many people does it take to make a Pixar short? It's not one guy noodling on his computer for a weekend that makes those Pixar shorts. It's a whole team of people. So yeah. the fact that a small number of people made this... But uh, Voices of Distant Star, you can tell one person did a lot of jobs. Did the voices, did the story, did the writing, did the animation, did the coloring, did the computer graphics. No one person is... is the best in the world at all those things so you look at voices of a distant star and you say all right whoever you know who, whoever keyframed this was not the world's best best keyframe animator and whoever colored this maybe doesn't have a lot of experience coloring and of course voice acting is a whole other talent and who did it the guy who wrote the movie and who did the voice of the other person his girlfriend because she was there are they professional voiced actors no they're not luckily they're speaking Japanese, i wouldn't so have guessed i wouldn't have guessed that though i thought it was you know beyond competent i thought it was very well done right well so it's an amazing feat for one person to do all these things but five centimeters per second which is several years later his third attempt at the same movie um is <laughs> obviously made by a larger group of people with him filling the role that, that with the, the director, writer, creator, still coming up with the story, still probably doing a lot of, if not uh, most of the keyframe animation, but not doing all the tweening, not doing all the coloring. And it looks better. It looks better because there's more money, more time, more people uh, combined. And that's sort of like the fun on these anime episodes. There's twice now we've done multiple movies by the same director and it's fun to compare them kind of like watching like you know duel like steven spielberg's early work and then comparing it to like something much later like uh you know et and then i don't know saving private ryan schindler's list like seeing how uh, a creator evolves and how they get better at their craft and they you know if they're good at it they get more money and more backing and more other people helping them so they can get the best cinematographer in the world and they can get better writers and they can have a bigger budget for their thing and i enjoy seeing that because you want to see talented people be successful and get the resources they need to tell the story they want to tell in the way they wanted to tell it and that's why it's fascinating to see an actor uh, a creator make several attempts at the same themes 
Right. I mean, Spielberg certainly done that and with uh, a lot of his early work, very similar themes in, in all of them. But each time, like getting closer or telling it in a different way and having, uh, you know, better, just better ingredients being mixed in. So anyway. It's also interesting. I'm trying to, th- I can't think of too many examples off the top of my head, but if you think of people, even very talented directors and teams who take a second bite at the apple, I guess kind of setting aside sequels, I mean, I'm trying to think of some really good examples of basically remaking something they'd previously done. And I'm not getting much further than THX 1138 right now, but there, there are movies like, there are things like that. Like in this case, I mean, yeah, these stories are obviously very similar, right? But like, in, it feels like with American uh, stories, I don't know. And again, I can't think of good examples of this, but my gut is that like you almost always enjoy the scrappy original one better. Maybe just because you're more familiar with it. But in the case of the, and again, I haven't watched the whole movie, but just, just even popping that movie open for a few seconds, the, the five centimeters per second. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> it's a very, very different looking movie. It's, it's like a painting. Yeah. And you can't, you can't do that without much more time and money to go into the backgrounds and talented artists. And that's, you know, right. that's obviously not in his skill set, or maybe just didn't have the time to, who's going to, paint those amazing sumptuous backgrounds or who's going to do like even just with modern technology can do like the the integration of cg into animation is now much more subtle than it than it was obviously in <laughs> star it's very right. clear it's like 90s or you know not 90s but early that's pretty 2000s funny in miyazaki movies animation. like you can it, sometimes it's it's kind of funny like the um in Howl's moving castle it really i mean I, I don't know if it's just me i feel like that's very influenced by the animation of like terry gilliam but I mean, it really looks, <laughs> you can tell like that thing is clearly a CGI thing that's walking around, you know, or like in Iron Giant, I think does it pretty well. Don't you think did, Iron they Giant? See, did they use CGI? I haven't seen Howl's Moving Castle in forever. I know Miyazaki is, is a famously anti-CGI and redrew the uh, the the forest spirit, uh, where they were trying to do that in CGI, Princess Mononoke, and he was like, no, 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 and just redrew it all. Really? I, I don't remember if Howl's actually uses any CGI. Uh, if it I isn't, seen it if, it, if it isn't, it should be, but... Uh, <laughs> But um, that's a good movie. Do you like that movie? I have only seen it a few times. I might, if my kids liked it better, I would have seen it more because you know they. That's, that's actually they that's. I think that movie. might be my wife's favorite. And um, it's yeah, pretty weird. And I felt, always felt like a little bit scattered thematically, more so than the other ones. Even more scattered than Spirited Away, which seems to be like the most scattered. It's like, well, Spirited Away, just random things happen. But there is a theme, and Howl's there is a theme too. But I think it's. I'd say House is definitely not a starter movie for any variety of reasons. I mean, so you've talked about this before, like, why is British comedy so funny to American people? Like, you know, it's different, but also it's that, like, they have a funny voice and funny words for things. Like, with House Moving Castle, there's stuff that happens in House Moving Castle, and I'm not sure why it happened. Like, there's, like, like, I'm not sure exactly why after... Can I talk about this? Is this okay? <laughs> Don't get all inside your head about it. <sighs> So, you know, so uh, Sophie is made old, but there are some scenes where something seems to happen. I don't think it's just me, where Sophie suddenly looks a little bit younger for a little while. There's yes, other I things where she looks... you. That's a major plot point in the movie. But then sometimes she looks like a lot younger. Like, what is causing her mm-hmm. to be younger? That's that's one of the, uh, the, the themes of the magic in the movie is that her emotional outbursts affects how old she appears, but like positive or negative, like she'll have a very strong reaction, get mad at Hal, and she'll look five years younger. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And his hair, that's not always her fault, right? What's up no, with his he, hair? He's got his own issues. <laughs> he's got a lot of problems. 
A lot of people have a lot you of have to understand. Also, we watch the dub. That the, okay, so oh, that's uh, the other thing. You got Billy Crystal. As <laughs> we the, got Billy uh, Crystal as uh, yeah. Calcifer. Mm-hmm. Is that his name Calcifer? I think so. You know who's great in that is uh, is is the kid, the kid with the beard. Oh yeah, yeah. stand by. No wait, yeah. now who is he? He is the voice that does. What's his name? Um, Merkel. Is that his name? Urkel from Family no. Matters. Mer- isn't that his? <laughs> Angela Merkel, the uh, getting, getting mad at Chancellor? the good cop, mad at the good Markle. The voice of Markle is like a, is like a, an actor, is like a famous actor now. I don't know. I don't, I don't watch the dub. <laughs> oh, you know who he is? He's uh, he's uh, Peta from the Hunger Games movies. Oh, there you go. All yeah. right, I never would have picked that. That's up. the you know what? To be honest, like it, being in a house with a now eight year old, that is another barrier to the Doctor Sy- Syracuse method. Is that like? Um, you've pounded into my head that to really appreciate these, you have to get a uh, subtitle with good, get it, not dub, but subtitle with good subtitles. And, you know, that's one thing that's a little bit of an impediment to watching it with a kid because she doesn't want to read that. Yeah, no, you know? I, I mean, my kids all watch the dubs too. And that's why I've seen a lot of movies a million times because they watch dubs over and over and over again. But when I watch them for myself, I watch the subtitles. When it's, they're, they're in bed then. And if you're going to watch uh, Voices of a Distant Star, be ready to read really, really fast. Yeah, I mean it's too fast. Like, I it's obviously <laughs> it's not designed to be for to be read. Obviously, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue, um, but I, I feel like a lot of the problem is in the timing of the subtitles, where they pull them off the screen before they need to, because there's no subsequent line that needs to replace them. So, well, it's also like you've got dialogue competing with what's on the phone screen. Those yeah. are the ones that are the worst, where they're like bullets of information, like from a WAP phone, mm-hmm. alongside dialogue. And you'd warn me, but I was still like, ah. Yeah, I mean, like obviously these are made. They're not made for to be subtitled. We we accept this in in uh, English language movies all the time. Well, of course, I can look in, on the phone and glance at the subject line of an email and also hear the voiceover, and it's no problem for me. But if I have to read both of them, then it's a problem. Yeah. Um, or like just glancing at the headlines of a newspaper. Uh, it's easy to glance at the headlines of a newspaper while listening to a voiceover if you speak the language in both of those things. But if you have to read both of them and they're on different spots in the screen and, and one of them disappears because you picked the wrong one to start reading first. Anyway, like I said, it's only 20 minutes long. You can watch it three times. Um, and by the third time, you'll probably get it all. Are you burned out on talking about anime or would you like to propose uh, some homework for the show that we would talk about and other people would watch too? I'm always in favor of uh, assigning homework to you uh, about okay. anime. Well, I, I would be into Millennium Actress, if, especially if we can find a version that doesn't have uh, commercials. But do you want to talk about Millennium Actress sometime? Yeah, like for you, your homework will probably be, I, I mean, it may be too much to ask, but I would say Millennium Actress and Five Centimeters Per Second. Are, okay. Are we, are we already talked about Five Centimeters Per Second on The Incomparable. In fact, we already talked about Millennium Actress on The Incomparable. Actually, I'm going to add a third one in there. And if you don't get to all of it, just do them in this order. Okay. Um, Millennium Actress, five centimeters per second, and also Perfect Blue. Okay, yeah, I actually got that on your recommendation. Yeah, so start with Millennium Actress. Yes, that, that's that's the best one out of these three, and you should if you can only just watch one, just watch that one. Perfect All Blue, right. I just threw in there because it's another piece of anime, not for kids, by the way. Perfect Blue is not for kids at all. I've heard that's super not for kids. Yeah, I mean, uh, so of those, so Perfect Blue, Millennium Actress, Voice of a Distant Star, Millennium Actress. If you can tolerate commercials, you can find on YouTube. What are your rules for findability? Like find find a copy. Well, <clears throat> if you have access to the back of a truck, like most of us do, look for one of these, and you want it to be um, uh, subtitled, not dubbed. 
I don't know if there is a dub of perfect blue. There probably is. It's horrible dubs of everything. I don't know where to get perfect blue, honestly. I have it on D- Again, I have these on DVD, not Blu-ray. I would get Blu-ray versions of these if I could. I There's I a lot of illegitimate Blu-ray runs. So if you if you search, like, oh, perfect blue Blu-ray, there it is. It's right there. But it's nope. not, It's not like, from the studio. It's, like, from read the know, China or whatever. <laughs> Always yeah. read the comments. Yeah. Um, I think there was a, a real Millennium Actress Blu-ray, but maybe not Region 1. Uh, anyway, five centimeters per second, I think you can get to it. Always check Amazon first. See what you can find. Uh, it's probably going to be a plastic disc. I know that seems barbaric. Sometimes Crunchyroll has these, which is a, an anime service with a silly name. Right. That, again, there'll be ads with it, but you can pay for Crunchyroll for like a month and watch these things. So you can check that out. It's, it's in my opinion, it's well worth paying a couple bucks just to be able to see without ads. But for me, I want to own these things. And so it's very <laughs> difficult to get copies of them. Well, let's say, why don't, we, why don't we say this? Uh, we'll, we'll find a link. We'll put a link in show notes to the Millennium Actress that's up for free on YouTube. Um, find a better copy if you can. But let's say, you know, whatever, in a few weeks, in a month or so, we'll talk about Millennium Actress. With It's going to take you a month to watch it? <sighs> Just one. Just watch it. All right. Anyway. Good cop. This comes out like a week and a half from now, plus you have to allow the time. God, I want to be, be the good cop. I want it so much. Uh, okay, so we got a topic. <laughs> we got a topic. I, I don't even care what this topic is about. I just love the title so much. I'm game. This comes out of uh, me talking to Roderick on Roderick on the Line. <laughs> yes? Does it? Is that what it's from? It's hard for me to tell. I remember I, I, mentioned, I was prompted I'm, to text you. Was it because I was listening to the most recent episode? Well, I was just mentioning in passing, uh, in a fit of peak, that we have a couch that our family sits on with very well-established historical areas for where each person sits. It's almost like a three bears type situation. Like, I'm always here. She's always there. My wife is always there, right? And, I mean, it's a little bit a little bit aggressive to, like, put stuff on somebody else's spot. I was just remarking that so much of the time, you know, I go away for a while, and either the cat or my daughter is on my spot, and it frustrates me because that is my part of the couch. It's always been my part of the couch. It will always be my part of the couch. And for some reason, this really uh, got your attention. Yeah, I guess for two reasons. The first is the cliche reason that I think we've all seen. I mean, I, I recognize mostly more from television than from real life, like so many things <laughs> recognized from 70s <laughs> like television. dad's chair kind of thing. Right. And that that was always rooted in sort of the the 50s or whatever mindset of uh the mom stays at home and the dad works like the you know the, the gender roles from our slightly more sexist past uh and the house becomes the the mom's domain like she runs the house she decides how everything goes she decorates the rooms she decides what kind of furniture we're going to get uh, you know also everything you can possibly imagine and so that when the dad comes home he this is not his domain and he is wants to carve out some part of the house that is his. So that's how you end up with the dad's chair, for instance. That's dad's chair. It's the chair that he sits in. It's, you know, everything else in the house, mom picked, but dad's stupid, ugly chair, stupid wagon wheel coffee table, whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) Nice pull. Is dad, that's dad's thing. And that is seen in the, in the slightly warped, uh, pretend oppressed world of the 1950s male as I am, I am forced to carve out this tiny area of this hostile feminine environment 
<laughs> to claim to claim as my own, which is is warped at a hundred on a hundred different levels. But anyway, that's the cliche that we were always presented with. In I mean, he goes out and, and he works all day. He works in slaves, yeah. mm-hmm. and then right. he comes home. He comes home and, and dinner's not ready. That's right. That? Well, she burned it. She's always burning the roast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was. It was a, the foundation of, of sitcoms was <laughs> was terrible. Lucy, right? Uh, and but that was seen as again, it was seen as oppression of like, oh uh, well, you know. But I have to pick out my spot, and that and in real life, I never experienced that. My dad didn't have a chair. Um, I knew some people who had something close to that in their house, but the wherever that cliche came from, probably you know, well, you can see where it comes from is from the you know from. From the male fantasy that they are the oppressed party in in, in the situation where <laughs> the wife is at home all day. Anyway, um, th- that's that's how they feel, and that that was that was presented in media in a way that the men would chuckle at and laugh knowingly, and the women would probably have daggers coming out of their eyes. And that. but now here I am in this enlightened age that we live in. Uh, both of us, you know, we're not living, and I love Lucy, uh, and yet somehow I find myself, and apparently you find yourself as well. Carving out sections, things in the house <laughs> right. that we want to claim as our own. And it is not like and the I, and 50s. I do. I hate to admit it. I joked along. I just added the title, Pretend Obsessed World. I'm laughing along with you because I, I think it's ridiculous how aggrieved men have decided they are in the last few years. And yet the truth is I face this all the time. Those are, those are my nice pencils. What are you doing with my nice pencils? <laughs> that's, those are my stickers. That, that's my hot dog sticker. I already gave you. You already got a hot dog sticker. That's my hot dog sticker. Yesterday, she took two of my super nice, very expensive pencils. I was in the shower. She came in. Bang, bang, bang. Comes in. What, 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 what? Um, can I have two pencils? She holds them up. I'm like, uh, sure. And she used them uh, to make a God's eye. And I was like, those are my nice pencils. What do you do with my nice pencils? I thought you were going to use those to, for, for, for great creative art, which I guess she is. But like, there's no area that is not for everyone in our house. That's a that's a kid thing too, by the way. Of kids, you know, that's that's our job as parents to at some point teach them boundaries and that their possessions. See, that, that's that's what I want to get to. That's because I I struggle. I really, really everything, every square inch of the house is hers when it suits yeah, her, and it drives me crazy. She is an only child. That's true. You know what that's like. Yeah, up here. <laughs> I'm not an only child. Anyway, but even before the kids thing, I feel like I did this even before we had the kids, and yeah. it's not because my wife decides everything in the house like it's not that's not our relationship <laughs> my wife like, it decides you know she's it's not it's just not how our relationship is it's not how we live our life we are much more uh equal partners in deciding those home type decisions of you know what kind of furniture should we have or if, if anything it is swayed towards more towards my opinion than hers because i'm sure she would love to change much more in the house than i would right so it's not like the 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 50 sitcom situation and yet still I have a very small number of things in the house that I claim and attempt to defend against all comers. And yes, kids are much more difficult to defend against because eventually, like, a spouse you can eventually come to an, an arrangement with and say, all right, I mean, like you just do with sides of the bed even. This is my side of the bed. You just eventually settle on that. It does. It's not an ongoing issue. For me, I have very few things. I have... It feels like, it feels like there's almost nothing that I feel strongly about. But yet, I, I'm, I feel... <laughs> <laughs> the aggrieved male. I feel like there's there's no limit at this point to to that upon which can be encroached at this point. That just, I'm really asking for such very 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 simple things. That's that's what it seems like. It seems like I'm ba- I'm basically down to my toothbrush at this point. There's not that many things that are inviolate. Eight. Doesn't matter how expensive it is. Doesn't matter what shelf it's on. Like my nice pencil sharpener that just disappeared. 
I had it on a shelf in the cabinet. It's the one. It's the it's the it's the Coom Long Point Sharpener that also has two extra dinguses on the side for a mechanical pencil. It's the only one like that I've got. I've bought six pencil sharpeners because they keep disappearing. All I want in this world is to have this one purple pencil sharpener that I use. And so I put it up on a shelf, and then it disappears. See, these are like at least these are possessions. I feel like I'm I'm excluding possessions. Of course, I have my stuff. I have my my dvds and blu-rays i have my books i have my computer like that's your stuff but communal space as you noted with the couch example is the most difficult one so when i think about when i think about the things that i'm categorizing in these areas that i claim in in a desperate attempt to exert control over uncontrollable world um it's the community area so i'm listing all the things that i have all right i have a seat at the kitchen table is it always your seat that is my seat right okay i have a seat on the couch that, that is my place. And and by the way, very often it has been thrown in my face by my entire family. Why does dad get the best seat on the couch? My seat on the couch has changed over the years. For the for the first seven or six or seven years of this living in this house, it was a different seat and I moved it. And that's that's I can do that. I can change. But it's not if it was the best seat is it best seat both time. We didn't rearrange the rest of the room. The rest of the room stayed exactly the same. So I have two different seats. In the, but anyway, my seat on the couch, I have a place where I put my wallet and keys Okay. They're just like maybe eight eight by eight inches, right? I have a place where I put my phone, which is basically exactly the size of an iPhone six. I have a side of the bed. <laughs> you have exactly the amount of cubic cubic millimeters right. required for exactly the size. Because those are on the mantle. I've got wallet and keys on the mantle, phone okay. on the mantle, a place for my backpack. And, okay. and I think okay. that's and, actually and it's funny because you're 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 hitting all the things on my list. I've been typing a list of the things, and you've hit all of them. The one I didn't think you'd get to is backpack. Do you have a place you like for your backpack? Yes, I do. I have I have a place for my backpack, right? And and that's basically it in terms of communal space. But I have to defend those things because you know who mm-hmm. likes to put their phone and where my phone spot is. Everybody, Everybody else who has a phone mm-hmm. because Everybody. you know what I can always find my phone because you know where my phone is. Mm. Like, this is, again, community space. I'm not talking about, like, my nightstand, because obviously my nightstand is mine, right? <sighs> Tragedy of the commons, John. Yeah. <sighs> and and the thing is, it's a huge mantle. Like, these are huge. Like, the whole rest of all these worlds are yours, except this mantle. Let's <laughs> have no landing there. Use them together. Use them in peace. Do not put your phone where my phone is. <laughs> like, And so every time I come in and I see my wife's giant success in my phone spots, like you have mm. so many other places to put your phone. I don't know what you want to claim as your phone you ask, spot. You ask for so little. Is, you're, you're, just, you're, just, you're just asking for the one spot right there. That's really all you're asking. And I'm a creature of habit. And like, and again, this is why I can always find myself. Why can I always find my nail clipper? Because I put my nail clipper in the same place and everyone else wants a nail clipper and they want to use mine. I'll never see it again. No, no, no. I, I, don't lose, I don't lose that, buddy. No, but wait, add some uh, injury to the insult to the injury. I'm also the person who tacitly becomes in charge of combing through the house, collecting all the devices and making <laughs> sure that they're plugged in. I'm the one who does that. I polish the screens. I check the batteries. I make sure the updates happen. Like, oh, whatever. Who cares? It's just dad. But it's my... But the thing is, if it weren't for me, 17% is the highest that anything would ever get. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm, the, I'm the person. My daughter's looking at me like, like, like I'm Hitler. I'm like, well, you know where to plug that in. When you put it down, don't put it under the coffee table. Go go plug it in. Don't yeah. put it on my seat. That's where I sit. This is a place where my wife has a legitimate complaint because the communal area where everything is charged is on the desk with her computer, which I would okay. not tolerate being on my computer. But somehow, I mean, for right. So you get a desk at work. Reasons. That's the other thing is you got to really watch your ass because you get to leave the house and go places, and you have that whole other world and that whole other computer. You don't want to piss from the high ground too much because you do get kind of a nice thing there. Does she have her own dedicated area at home? 
yeah, the whole, I was tempted to say the whole house is her dedicated area, but really, like, I, you know, Lucy. I'm, ta- I'm talking about the the like, you know, right? Her, what should be her spot? Her desk is also the place where the kids charge their devices, okay. which is not fair to her, but it just like she happens to have it's it's traffic pattern wise, it's easier for everyone to get to than mine. Okay. Which is which is a bummer, but anyway, this does not go back to the mantle and the place where the backpack is. And yeah. my she sits up, she sat in my seat today to eat dinner. No one else was me? at the table because she she was late, and I had her dinner still warm for her when she came in. Your, your daughter um, did this? No, my wife. Your um, wife? Yes, she sat in my seat to eat, and like there was no one else at the table. Everyone else had already eaten. The kids had already eaten. I had already eaten. She came in. I had her dinner still warm in the oven. She takes it out. The whole table is her. She can sit in any place, including her seat. By the way, you all have her seat. She mm. has her seat. My son has his seat. My daughter has her seat. They don't change. They're always the same. She sat in my seat to eat. Ugh. And well, which, which, who cares? Like, I'm not sitting there. She's not hogging a seat for me. It's just that, like, this is a bad habit to get into. We should stick to it's our a ter- It's a terrible habit. It's a terrible precedent because, uh, to paraphrase what I said with John Roderick, it's your, that's your seat. That's the seat that's for you. If you want to lobby for a different seat, let's talk about that. But to have sanity in this crazy world... We have to have a place that, that that's our little area. And the source of all uh, suffering is desire, right? Yes. So, yes. So, I mean, we are falling victim to that. But like, all of this is to say, the absurdity of all this is like, why? And that's why I brought up the, the cliche thing is, why, why do I care? I mean, to some, the practical thing is like, I care about these spots because that's how I, that's my system for always knowing where my crap is. I, would, I, don't, I don't wonder why my wallet is. I don't lose my keys. Oh, and I'm the, I'm uh, the one who cares you know. about that more than I think anybody. And that like... Pfft. I hope my wife never gets on a podcast and gets to describe actually what a horrible person I am. So I'm making myself sound very sane. But like that's that's the thing is for me, the white dish into which I put my wallet, my keys, my pen, like that's super important. You have to a me. dish. Luxury. <laughs> <laughs> Store my keys in the it's dirt. Just, I come home and it's just filled with shopkins. <laughs> um but the but like that this is this is my bulwark against <laughs> against madness is like just these the dumb really really stupid stupid things that are are partly ritual but it's also just that like i need i need some kind i need some kind of a beachhead against insanity and so like like as far as like her sitting on my my part of the couch you know that's frustrating because i gotta uh, and i'll get into this why i'm in where i am there are reasons why i am where i am Partly because I'm captain of the living room, but I'll but I'll get to that in a minute. But but <laughs> but like hat. let's let's <laughs> like setting aside like all of the stuff about the the ridiculous encroachment of everything involving my daughter into every conceivable corner. She is like a great, like beautiful be- beautiful girl, but she's like a slime mold that just will move out like like, like a big stream of ketchup. It'll just cover up every area with her stuff everywhere. I clean that up. That's fine. That's all fine. I'm just asking for a few little islands to, for my bulwark, for my beachhead. And that's the part that drives me nuts. And, th- and then, and so then I go there and it's gone. And like for me, three times a year, that's where's my keys? Where's my keys? The keys, the keys are always, the keys are never not in the white dish. Because if I didn't always put my keys in the white dish, I would become insane. But then they go somewhere else. They're being used for like a pulley system for a small doll or something like that. And it's like, I just feel like it's, it, it should not be that hard for each of us to have our special areas. We don't just grab each other's toothbrush and go wash the car with it. Like, why does space have to be any different? Well, yeah, that's for, for a little uh, kleptomaniac children that we both seem to have. 
the only thing I can do there, because that's why I get into the like, actual possessions. Car keys are kind of different, but uh, you know, the things that are actually mine, like my computer and my books, my magazines, they're not community property. They're specific things to me. And same thing with my wife. She has her own things that are specific to her. I think I've probably done a slightly better job at from from birth, powerfully expressing to these children the do not touch daddy stuff. <laughs> Want to be careful with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from the very beginning. And they want to touch it and they want to mess with it. I'm like, you can do a lot of stuff. Uh, we can make messes. We can have fun. But certain things of daddy's, you absolutely do not touch. And for the most part, that has worked. One of the things, for example, which is kind of community property, but not really, is my big fancy TV. Oh, no yeah. touching no the fingers, TV. No fingers on that, buddy. Just don't even go near it. Like when you get within three feet of that TV, Mm-mm. I will start to tell you that you're getting too close. It's what about uh, paddleball? You allowed, you allowed to uh, play paddleball? Like oh, uh, no, no projectiles. What no, about just bouncing a ball around? You no, allowed to do no that? Roughhousing. Like, mm-hmm. but like that. No but it's like, what if you want to put your milk down? Is that a good place to put your milk sure down? Pretty sure none of my kids have ever actually touched the television screen with their fingers, which is oh, a fairly I, amazing. I've never seen mine do it, but at at least three times in the past eight years, I have seen a small smudge on the TV, and I know it wasn't me. Yeah, well, you never know who that's. You got the fingerprint. You can, you can. Uh, this track is the it back. yes, like a DNA test. This is the frustrating part. This is the part that makes you feel like a crazy person. Is it, it seems like you're saying, "Look, please, like mess up almost anything here." I'm really asking for like a, a surpassingly small number of things that get to be my special thing. Like for me, like for a while, I this was notebooks. I'm a weirdo, John. I I buy, collect, use, and enjoy notebooks. I have notebooks I have bought that I have not used. I have notebooks I don't intend to use. And yet, if there is a box in my, my home collection of these, of notebooks, that she basically feels like that is just hers it's, now. It's like a little, it's like a little girl honeypot you've created there. You, it's like the worst. <laughs> like, that's, so to get back into more unfairness for my wife, my, my long-suffering wife, many of the things that she owns are honeypots for my daughter. My daughter also loves notebooks, notebooks of any kind, pens, pencils, art supplies. My wife does a lot of knitting and crocheting. Ugh. My daughter likes that, too. Craft projects. She loves all that stuff, too. What you, Things you use in craft projects, special archival ink markers, uh, acid-free paper, various stamps and cutouts and dyes and... All that stuff my wife has, which what is about, ostensibly what about the hers. Nice, what about the nice photo paper for the printer that we only use for photos? Well, that's fun to draw on with a Sharpie. Yeah, or shar- Sharpies themselves. like the whole. And it's a shame because <sighs> the child who is most prone to not realize that possessions belong to anyone other than her uh, has hobby overlap with my wife. So my wife is forever losing her things or her nice special sharp scissors are gone and disappear. Like, and they're all squirreled away in my daughter's room. And it's just... You know, you don't want to discourage her creative outlets, but on the other mm-hmm. hand, it has to be possible to like have nice pencils and have her not take them. Um, so that's that's an ongoing. <sighs> I, and I will buy. I will buy. I, things, I, I buy paired sets. Like this is how dumb and prosperous I am. Is that if I buy myself a pack of Pentel sign markers, like I have, I buy Pentel sign markers. There's a very specific pack that I like, and I want those to be Daddy's nice markers i will go so far as to buy my daughter her own pack of pentel sign markers this means nothing no if she, if she can she's gonna use those lose them ruin them and then find your new ones oh yeah and they'll just they, they might they might end up eventually in a ziploc somewhere but there's there's no edge to that um yeah I mean, so, yeah, yeah. so that's that's an ongoing thing every kid is different and some of them are like what 
it's amazing to me with these two kids that so far neither one of them seems to have the thing that i had from a very early age which is the unhealthy obsession with the nice things that you own like you know i would my my toys that i got my special toys that i cared about i would make sure that they were you know that they didn't get dirty that they weren't broken they were carefully arranged just sort of having treasured possessions that you care about um, yes. and maybe it's because yes. my kids just have too much and uh, i provide them too much stuff and we're basically spoiling mine them does mine does not have that at all and right. i think i feel exactly the same way right and is it is it because i was deprived that i had these treasure possessions no it's just my personality it's just the way i do it as an adult now and i'm not like it's just i, I it's just it's just the way i was like even my books going like soft cover books i didn't i would read them without breaking the spines in them like that wow. was my thing when i was young i have a whole shelf next to me of those self-same paperbacks um, you can you can date the era of when I learned how to read without breaking the spine because it's actually surprisingly <laughs> hard to do with really thick books. You can say, "Oh, I hadn't yet learned." Oh, and there I learned it. And I have these books that are sitting in these bookshelves that look better than the ones you could find on the shelf in in like uh, uh, I was going to say like a Walden books or something back in the day. Because when I yeah. would go to Walden books and I would pick out a book, I would look at the whole shelf full of books, and ninety percent of them would be already damaged sitting there on the shelf. Don't buy those. They cost exactly the same as the ones that aren't damaged. I would buy the ones that aren't damaged. So already I've got like the best book in the entire store. And then I would bring it home and read it without breaking the spine or, or dog earring a single page or any part of the cover and then put it on my shelf. And on my shelf, it looked better than basically 90% of the, of the ones you could find in the store. Amazon threw a wrinkle into this because now they got to ship them to you and you have no idea what condition they're going to come in. But I switched over to ebooks eventually anyway. But anyway, that's the type of person I am. Whereas my kids, forget it. I don't, I don't, there's no possession that either one of them has that they care about as much as I care about my least treasured possession in the entire world. Like everything yeah. is disposable, breakable, which is probably more healthy for them. Fine. That's just their personality or whatever. But at a certain point, you're like, look, this is an expensive thing. And if you're going to use it like this, it's going to break. And then I'm not going to get you another one. They're like, huh, well, whatever. Like, I don't know. Am, am I failing to parent them correctly in this well, way? We're trying to yeah, instill but it feels, this lesson. It feels too late. It feels too late already. Like anything that could have been done on that front like would have been useful whenever, but now it's too late. I don't know if it's too late. Like, I mean, I, it's, with the community property thing, if my daughter thinking everything that, that there is no possession, right? But it's like the the John Lennon song. Imagine, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's 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 her, her world. I think she's slowly learning. Like, and again, I was able to defend the things that are specifically mine. Maybe just because she's not interested in them, she's not particularly interested in touching the TV. Right? She's interested in watching it. Uh, and mostly I've installed in her the idea that she can't leave the room with a television pause because of the whole plasma thing. So right. she's on board with the, but that's not, she doesn't care about those possessions. She just knows that, that the consequences are, you know, you know, like I'm able to defend those few areas of like daddy gets upset if you mess with this stuff. Right. I fight myself on it because I really do. I hear, I hear the words coming out of my mouth and I, I, I don't. I don't like how it sounds. I realize I sound like a crazy person from another decade. And then I, th I try to say to myself, like, okay, is this really a big deal? Like, the big deal is it would be nice if your kid, like, uh, had more appreciation of these things. But, like, whose fault is that? Uh, I just sent you a photo. This is from one time in September of last year that my wife uh, cleaned my daughter's room. This is my daughter, who as recently as five minutes before I came to record this said, I need scissors. Where's the scissors? And I said, the scissors... You know, I try to check myself. I said the scissors. <laughs> are, I, what I wanted to say is what I have said in the past, which is the scissors are wherever you left them, because you are the one who uses the scissors and does not put them back into the scissor drawer. We have a drawer where scissors go. So what you're seeing here, this is just in one particular cleaning from September, 
where there are three pairs of scissors and at least seven rolls of tape that were found in her room in different places. Because my wife is crafty, we have the problem that in our house in total, we probably have 19 pairs of scissors. Oh, right. God. So now just multiply this. It's exactly the same problem. Cleaning my daughter's room. But it's a black put, hole. It's all going to we'll go into the kids' room. We'll find proportionally more scissors just because there are more in the house. You know, it's like or proportionally the same amount, but larger in absolute values because there are more in the house. Yes. <laughs> Tons of I believe early on in her sort of everything in the house is mine phase. I believe she took my wife's engagement ring and it was mm. somewhere in her room. I got if I was here, I would ask her, but I'm pretty sure at some point. She, she actually took that. Like, she loves to put things inside things. You're probably familiar with this. Things in little boxes. Oh, Little boxes yeah, inside other boxes, inside mm-hmm. little bags. And I'm pretty sure my wife's engagement ring, we found it eventually inside, like, a box or, or some other piece of expensive jewelry squirreled away in her room. Um, I think she does understand more about boundaries now, but she's decided certain things, like scissors, for example, are basically community property. And, yeah, she takes them. She uses them. They get lost in the giant piles of stuff in her room. And then she needs another one. She goes to find same thing with nail clippers. The whole house is with nail clippers. Eventually, all the nail clippers are gone, except for the one that I know where it is. Now, I, I bought, I bought, they, multi- I bought multiples clipper. of those. I bought multiples of scissors. I bought multiples of the... Bre- I, we have six of the kind of hairbrush that she can tolerate. Mm-hmm. And we deploy those around the house, you know, tactically. But, like, for example, uh, okay, uh, two days ago... One day ago? Two days ago. Yeah, two days ago... I did that thing. I don't like to do it too often, but I couldn't find my belt because my belt was not in the place where I put my belt. And I don't want to become that particular old guy <laughs> that's always yelling things like, who moved my pants? <laughs> right? You know, there's that relative in your family who's always blaming other people or the Jews because you can't find things. You're always just yelling. And I thought, you know, I don't want to do that. So I searched and searched. I looked on every doorknob. I looked in the bathroom. I looked in all the places that it probably wouldn't be which I'm good at. I'm, I'm the one in the house that always looks for things sh- where, where it wouldn't be. No belt. I finally said, uh, Ellie, is there any chance you know where my belt is? And she's like, no. I said, okay. And so I kept looking, kept looking, you know, keep it cool. And uh, then I went in her room and my belt was on the floor in her room because she'd been using it to transport a pig. And I said, oh, just FYI, my, uh, my belt was uh, in your room. She goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, we asked my daughter first now. That was, no, but that was her Her response was, her response was, oh, yeah. Uh, you need to change your, your policy here because you have the same situation now. When we can't find something, either one of the adults can't, or even even my son, when we can't find something in the house yeah. and it's not it's not where it's supposed to be, step zero mm. is to ask my daughter. Occam's razor. And, you know, it's not, not in an accusatory way. Just Mm-mm. like, do you happen to know? Because the thing is, if she knows where it is, it's in a place you would never look. Like, again, in, inside, like, you know, Russian nesting dolls in level seven. <laughs> like, you know, and the, and the nesting dolls are inside a tote bag, and the tote bag is stuffed inside a stuff a pillow pet, and the pillow pet is under the bed. <laughs> but it's a reverse It's a reverse scavenger hunt. <laughs> like, you know, they are single-mindedly unknowing. And that's, that's the other thing is, like, kids go into a trance. When my kid is doing things involving packing, hiding, layers, bags, boxes, drawstring bags inside of other box, that goes in thing that's on shelf – that could be the hope diamond that could be like a copy of the mortgage whatever it is like that's just going to go there that's where that's going to be and she is no more aware of where it is than i am yeah but you just all all we're looking for is is the answer is like is this a thing that you have played with in the past day 
Like, that's all we're looking for. Is like, should, should I be looking for this in normal places? Or do I now have to basically clean your room to find my... Like, that's all we're looking for. And so, and she'll, she's honest about it. She'll be like, oh, yeah, I was playing with that. Or no, I don't even know what you're talking about. And for the most part... But, like, if you don't do that, you will spend the entire day looking around the house in all the expected and unexpected places that you might have left it. Maybe yep. I brought it out here. Maybe I did that. Maybe that. Um, when really, again, you should be looking in her room or in the places where she was playing. Because you want to know, do I have to tear apart every one of her toys? to find this do i have to make her bed do i have to vacuum her floor do i have to lift up all of her furniture do i have to uh refold all of the clothing in her drawers so i can see what is shoved underneath the oh yeah like like for for a long time until i identified this as an actual pattern of behavior we could never find her hairbrush and at the time like normal people we had a hairbrush seems like that's the kind of thing you would have and when you're done brushing the hair, you put the, the hairbrush back into the place where the hairbrush goes. I realize I'm being a little bit of a lunatic here. That seems sensible to me. We kept not being able to find it until we realized that for whatever reason, she would brush her hair and then throw it into the laundry hamper. And that's just the thing that she did every morning. So we always knew to just go look in the hamper. And then she looked at us like we were crazy. Like, of course, the purple hairbrush is in the laundry hamper. That's where I throw it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> But I like this distinction between – I'm interested in the distinction between, like, on the one hand, the, the dad joke of, like, oh, my gosh, the whole house is crazy, you know, as against the how do we deal with the communal area part, as against, like, is there anything that I'm allowed to just have as a nice thing sometimes? They're, they're related but different. Yeah, well, they're all valid things because I think, first of all, everybody in the house should be able to ideally have their own – personal possessions their own personal space usually it's your room but sometimes you have to share a room when you're a kid and i know i did um but even in any situation no matter what it is even in the army you get like your footlocker or something like you get something that is yours and how many things do you get that are yours how nice are they really what it doesn't matter what it is like you it, i think this is just something that is uh very primal in people that they're going to have some sort of treasure possessions, whether they're meaningful because this is the, you know, the, the spear that I used to hunt with and that is my special spear, or whether they're just like a souvenir spoon that you got on a trip that was memorable, or it's part of a hobby, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think that's healthy and think people need to have their own stuff. And if, if anything, I'm trying to encourage more of that in my kids because I want them mm-hmm. to take better care of their possessions and have... I'd rather have them have one or two treasured possessions than a bunch of crap that they don't care about, right? If they got crap they don't care about, then get rid of it until we're down to whatever it is that they actually treasure, whatever that may be. Not because I want them to be like, you know, the the old woman in the labyrinth uh, shoving stuff on their backs until they're just like owned by their, you know, you can pull out your fight club line now if you want. Uh huh. But uh, I was going with the labyrinth one. I thought it was higher class. Um, is that, that the one David, like that that, with David Bowie? Yeah. You don't remember okay. that scene? There's the junk lady. That's not the one with the never-ending story, uh, Dragon. Uh, no, different. That's Luck Dragon. That's the never-ending story. No. Oh, Labyrinth. that's never-ending Labyrinth, story. Labyrinth yeah. might be too scary for your daughter, but uh, I know it was too scary for my daughter. probably still is. But anyway, I don't want them to become materialistic. I just want, like, learning to take care of your stuff is an important life skill. And I think it's yeah. important for people to feel like they have some space and some stuff that's theirs. And for the most part, that works out, except for in the case where you're very... Uh, permissively raised children think everything in the house is theirs and that's just that's just a question of slowly and patiently explaining to them that people have things that belong to them they don't like you to mess with them you have things you wouldn't want me to mess with that again that doesn't work if they don't have anything they you know i don't care you can you can mess with everything i will call that one out tactically to try and like make a little lesson about something that's usually a like i we found something in the park can i keep it 
And, you know, and I, I've tried to say to her, like, I've tried to be mellow about it, but I, but often enough, I will say, well, imagine that that was your favorite thing in the world. You left it in the park when you want to be able to go back and find it. Like sometimes that works. But I think there's another thing here that is not just about only or almost only children. It's like, there is the, has it always been this way that kids encroach into every part of the house where like the, every room turns into like a different kind of project room (laughs) It has not always been the way. I feel like, like in the the uh, slow evolution of parenting, to become uh, less terrible, right? This is this is along the slope of being less terrible. Like the as we go back in time, we see the ideal of parenting shift ever more towards compliance to the point where children were treated worse than people treat their pets today. Uh, but they were compliant, and it would never occur to them that any part of the house belonged to them except for the little hovel under the stairs where Harry Potter sleeps, right? And even then, <laughs> right. has to be uh, it's got maintained, spiders. has to be maintained in a certain way. At six a.m., if I come up and the bed's not made, it's like the army, you know. Like, mm-hmm. so that is bad. To be clear, we are we are moving that's my away kennel. from yeah, <laughs> we are moving away from that because that's bad, right? Yeah. But that also meant that the 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 possessiveness that we see children have it's because the boundaries are. Are, are you know disappearing and uh, you know moving farther out there still have to be boundaries we're just trying to find where those boundaries are and every generation of parents probably feels like their their boundaries are you know they are more permissive than their parents were but not so permissive that the child is spoiled or ruined or in, in some other way done badly and every we think that our children will think that they're going to be more permissive than we are believe it or not uh, but they're going to feel like there's a line as well and just go back in time and like this bumps and it's not a, a smooth graph. But in general, that trend, at least in, you know, contemporary in the history of our young country has been the case. Right. And so we're trying to figure out where that boundary is. Because again, I, you know, I'm being more permissive than my parents were for sure. You're probably being more permissive than your parents. Like in general, I think that is the uh, the direction things are going. But because we can't simply do exactly what our parents did, because we are trying to be more permissive because we feel like that was too that was too restrictive. It was too constraining. Our goal in parenting is not for uh, for you know compliance and our own comfort. It's we're trying to like raise our children the right way and develop them into you know happy uh, you know well adjusted adults. All that stuff. We have to find where that line is. Um, and in attempting to find that line, especially if we have if you have a certain ch- type of child, which we both seem to, they will just run rampant. Like, I don't see any line, la da da everything is mine. And then you have to, like, sort of draw it back in and try to say, no, this isn't yours. Uh, this is yours and respect other people's belongings. And do you understand the idea of, you know, from people's belongings to, uh, to, to realizing that there are other people in the world who have feelings and possessions and, like, that empathy thing you were trying to say. What if this was your favorite thing? How would you care? And you know, like, when the kids are too young to get that lesson, they say, I wouldn't care. I would want the person who found it to keep it. Like we've all got the right, answer right, from right. kids before they figured it out. But eventually, you're hoping they will they will understand and be able to empathize and take the lesson. Um, applying that same lesson to things in their own house, like mommy scissors. It's like, well, pff, they're in my house. I own everything here. These scissors are my scissors. What I what I emphasize, which may be a terrible parenting thing that my parents, my kids will not do because they will learn not to be a terrible parent like me. Is they whenever they say something's theirs, I would say, "Did you pay for it?" <laughs> No, you do not. Yeah, I, I, because I make it clear that money is a thing in the world, that belongings, <laughs> things don't grow on trees, you know, the whole, like, the, so, these things that don't arrive in our house by magic, right? They cost money, and you have to work to get that money, and working isn't always fun, and so whenever they claim ownership of something, they're like, you, did you buy it? Is it yours? Like, well, you gave it to me. It's like, well, yeah, that means that is your belonging, but did you buy these scissors? No. Where? Who bought those scissors? 
uh, you know, well, mommy bought them. How did she get the money to buy them? Well, she went to work. That's a little, so, little so. bit on the nose. Maybe you should go into your daughter's room and she comes in, she happens to wander in. You're literally wearing her clothes and you're using her guitar as a, <laughs> as a bow. Like, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, I'm not sure who paid for this. I'm kind of confused. I mean, so like the guitar is a great example because I, my guitar that I bought for myself in college, uh, but that I don't play anymore. And as soon as she showed any interest in it when it was in the attic, I'm like, well, now this guitar is yours. And I was, if she had totally destroyed that car, the guitar, which she almost has, she's getting there. Um, fine. Like, it's not as if, you know, everything that I've ever owned is mine forever or whatever. Like, almost everything is the kids. Almost everything belongs to them because that's the way, again, that's the way we're parenting in a more permissive manner. Um, but if she had ruined the guitar and, you know, she said, well, I want a new guitar. It's like, well, you know, guitars are expensive and the last one I gave you, you destroyed. And we would have that discussion. Um, but, yeah, like, I think I think that is important for kids who are as spoiled as my kids are <laughs> to understand mm-hmm. that this stuff doesn't magically arrive in the house, that everybody doesn't have these things to sort of, you know, it, if it's not going to be scarcity that helps them to appreciate, then at least it'll be, you know, that's the same reason you give a kid an allowance and try to teach them the value of money and, you know, teach them how to save their money. And, and yeah. they can spend it. They're, they're mostly learning with, with respect to apps at this point, because they always want apps. And I always get a little notification that uh, my son or daughter wants to buy an app and, and they, they, they spend their own money on those things. So at least they know that software costs money, even if it's only a buck and that they have to choose where they want to spend it. But, there's a. Hmm, I was going to make a small point, but I think I want to make a big point. The small point I was going to make is, though, I don't know if it's like this for your kids, but um, I get to have one of those classic, are you sure you're talking about my kid moments when we go in and talk to the teacher? And the teacher's like, well, uh, things are going great. I'm like, really? And they go, yeah, things are going great. And uh, she's a kind of a natural leader in the class. She helps out. Uh, and she's amazing at basically not just cleaning up her area, but at helping encourage other kids to want to clean up the room. And as if we were in like the most cliched cartoon in the world, my wife and I both turn and look at each other and go, like, could this be our child? Because she's never cleaned up anything ever. And when she does clean it up, it reads as punishment. So the bigger point, that's my little jokey point, but the bigger point is that when things so first of all, I mean, like, does that happen with your kids? Because my kids' behavior at school is very different in many ways from the way that she is at home. She seems much more grown up when she's away from the house. She tries new foods. She does different things. Like when she's with her, her aunt, she'll she'll do anything. She'll go on a trampoline. She'll like go bungee jumping. She'll try like vegetables, things that she would never do with us. There's that. But also there's the school thing where like outside of the environment of home, which is her domain, obviously, where we serve at her pleasure, something happens at school where I don't know if it's a competition or just a change of environment, but she, I'm glad school is there because I think they're doing a better job than I am at a lot of, at bringing out a lot of the like where they should be at this point stuff. I've experienced some, some of that. Like it's not a, it's not a black and white issue because the my kids are sometimes worse at school or they're exactly the same uh behavior difficulties at school but definitely there there is a difference and it's just what you said like in a home environment the kids come to associate any sort of request like that like you know i i've told this to i'm trying to find a good way to phrase this i forget who told it to me but it's just anyone who has had a child from infancy experienced this and i think we've talked about on the show when you have an infant you are 100% in the mode my job is to keep this little thing alive and it, and it seems like a challenge and guess what it is a challenge uh, and you are there to do what it takes to keep this child happy and healthy and there's a lot of things to do 
Right. As the child grows, you have to flip that around to my you, job you have to is consciously, no longer. You have, to, you have to kind of consciously say, my role is changing. And like my role has to evolve with these needs. Right. I I am not here to do what the child needs 100% of the time because part of my job is to teach the child to do things for itself or to, to like like even not not to parse words but it's not that you're teaching them to do that you're helping them walk over to this area where they will discover that that's what they need to do right you know what because, i mean like us beating it into their head doesn't do it it's got to be something where they feel like they just invented the idea of independence right and i mean that's and that is a difficult switch for a lot of parents to make because it's, e- it's easy <laughs> it's easy for a long time yeah. to continue just to do everything with your child because and here's here's where the, the, your daughter seeing having to clean up as punishment my same thing my kids initially depending on your kid's temperament like you want them to be like oh discover it like you want them to like most kids don't see walking as a punishment because the independence and excitement of being able to move around where you want is so intoxicating that it's not a big deal but uh, making yourself breakfast seems mm-hmm. like my parents no longer love me. I have to make my own bre- like making breakfast is is the is, as pure, if not an expression of love for your children from their perspective, then at least the expression of like safety and home and this place where this thing happens. And having to make your own breakfast means you might as well have have given me away, thrown me to the wolves. You no longer love me. Making my own breakfast is the worst thing that has ever happened in the entire universe. Whereas that same exact thing in a school, in like a school environment, today we're going to learn to make breakfast. It's the most fun thing you could ever do as a class, learning to make pancakes, but in your own house. At camp every day, she she does karaoke, she makes a scarf, and makes bread. That's, that's Her favorite thing to do at camp is make bread. And yet, if I don't... So like when it's meal... Do you get this with meal time? Like, I've, <laughs> I've purchased or prepared the meal, I bring it to her, and if I... like overlook the fact that she needs a beverage with that right she can't get the glass of water herself that would, no. that is an that is an like an inversion of civilization you like you are practically disowning her by, i used to wonder by, if it was laziness and then i started to honestly wonder the direction you're going here i wondered if she thought that was some kind of abdication of my affection that i was not bringing her half a cup of milk 100 percent, 100 percent. it is like this means my parents no longer love they can't they can't express that and it's not in the text but it is the subtext of every Every fight over, like, thing they don't want to do is not about the thing. It is totally about, especially, especially if you have two kids and one of them is younger <laughs> and the younger one still gets the thing done for them. How many oh, times right. I have to sure, sure. reemphasize to my children the age gap and say, you've had three years of this. She still has three more years going of this thing that you've had because you are stopping doing this thing. Do you understand how time works? <laughs> Your son turns and goes, so this is how it ends. <laughs> right. And so that's not, like, it's a difficult conversation to have. But, like, it, that's... No, That's this is three times, three times a day. I, 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 and like, and I'm like, honey, like, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be a dick about this, but you know where the cups are, you know where the ice is, you know where the water is, you know where the milk is. And sometimes for a while, she was doing this kind of like, eh, the milk's too heavy kind of thing for a while. But like, uh, providing a beverage with each meal, providing a meal or a beverage with a snack, uh, I, I will often bring her a glass of water in the bathtub, and I will give her a glass of water at bedtime. But like these are all things that I'm, I'm on full time butler duty for all of those things, or I'm the worst dad ever. And yeah. I actually I, I enjoy it because it's part of the ritual. Like there's a whole like going to bed ritual. You know, you close the drapes and you do these things and you check the locks and you, that, that's all fun. But there's a part of me where like she turns like like uh, uh, the other night we were watching Parks and Rec and having takeout dinner, and she turns and she looks at me like dolorously and goes, "I'm not asking you to get me a milk." 
Oh, she she is so your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that good cop or bad cop? Yeah, no. I mean, obviously, I mean, we're joking about this in the frustrated way that people do. But like the, the you know, as we, I'm sure we both know, like the actual way to successfully do this is, like you said, to try just to be consistent. Like, there, just do it. There, just be consistent. But there are upsides <laughs> to this. Like to to make it an exciting, uh, like advancement of independence can be an exciting thing, not just for walking, but even for making your own cereal, getting your own glass of water. And in, in our worst moments of frustration, it can come out as you can get your own glass of water. You're old enough now, but that's obviously not the way you want to frame it. If, if you framed it the way they do at school, it'll organize environment with kids that are not theirs, that we're going to learn to make breakfast. This is an exciting thing that we can do. Then they'll be much more excited about learning how to cook. And then realizing that learning how to cook means when they want a sandwich, they can take a piece of bread and put a piece of cheese on it and cut it in half. And guess what? You just made a sandwich. And it's kind of exciting. And it means you can eat even if there's no adult available this moment to make you your lunch. Right. So that's, right. that's you want to frame it in the positive way and not make it a, an issue of contention. But when it comes up as an issue of contention, it's important, I find, for myself to remember that the issue is not the sandwich. It is not about the sandwich. never about the sandwich. never about the glass of water. It is about my child thinks that I no longer love them because I'm not doing the thing that I've done for them for their entire life. And it is the worst thing that has ever happened in the entire universe. And me yelling about it is not going to make any difference. So, like, yeah. But... You know, in the case of camp, the thing is, the bread she's making is, it's, it's not that great. She's making basically Subway sandwich bread. But she's very excited to do it. There is, there are no, she can go and make this whenever she wants. She's in this environment. I'm not criticizing, but I'm just saying, like, in this case, like, the Petri dish of that is, it's not that hard to excel at being someone who has made bread. When you're at, the thing is, if you're a kid who even learns like how to get approval and game the system. I say this as someone who has learned how to game uh, the system and get approval. It's not that that hard to distinguish yourself at school, honestly, at least in elementary school. In elementary school, you don't have to be that smart. You've just got to learn to be a little bit sensitive to what the cues are. And like, you know, don't push this button. Yes, do this thing. You know what? Uh, clean up your area faster. Don't be annoying. Uh, do these things. That's the thing is like, the, and it is ridiculously consistent. The, like the teachers at my kids' school are so consistent. They're so calm and they're so patient, and they don't ever get tired and just want to watch three episodes of Parks and Rec. They're they're good people, and like and then you know at uh, three o'clock they well they don't go home they grade papers and work harder than I ever will in a year of my life. But you know what I mean? Like in that petri dish, the experiment, the the super interesting experiment is like they get to figure out these things without us being around. So I'm at home like going, "Yay, you cut your chicken with a knife." And at school, like, she gets to be a Viking. Like, is that the highest stakes game in the world? No. But, like, that's a place where they get to try stuff on and, like, accelerate in their way. Yeah, well, count your blessings because not every kid is able, like, it is obviously a more structured environment and it has a higher chance of success. But both of my kids at various times have been uh, able to, have been able to exceed the capacity of their caregivers to I deal with them. I don't believe that. Oh, well, it happens. I mean, it happens, I not just my kids, other people's kids too. I mean, you see it like yeah. in the same thing. If you ever get like mad at another person's kid because they're like bothering your kid or whatever, it's not like, you know, it's, the parents aren't there. The kid's just a kid. Like, it's the adult world that is failing them, failing to to give them the support and the environment they need to figure out their stuff. Like that's the all of our jobs collectively. But at a certain point in a classroom with thirty five kids, uh, you know, not all of them are going to 
eventually fall in line and like you said oh it's so easy to excel you just got to do the basics and but, but like some it's beyond the capacity for a lot of kids that are not at that developmental stage they have they have is- other issues things going on at home you know don't brag it's also it's especially true for smart and ambitious kids who are like is that, subtly... is that what it is i should tell myself <laughs> that to make myself feel better i'll be the good cop mm-hmm. it's a uh, smart and ambitious kids know that they are in a place where they're probably not going to get punched in the mouth for doing something wrong. They're going to game the system. They're going to figure out where the edges are. And I admire a kid who's willing to do that. I've told you before, I love it when my daughter tricks me. I love it when I find a cache of knives under my daughter's bed. I'm like, good for you. Good for you stealing knives. She's hiding socks and knives under her bed. She's obviously got a plan. I, I hope she's sneaky in a way that I can manage for a while. But like, I think that's good. I think, see, I think your daughter is going to, She's going to be good for America. I got a feeling about that. Now, your son, obviously, he's he's a genius too. But I'm I'm saying, like, I think your daughter in particular, she might be the next like Maria Hill. I'm just saying. Lately, my my latest ploy with her has been to casually let her know that that she's doing the things that I guess she didn't think I knew she was doing. She has plans within plans. The casual part is your like. To, how do you tell – I do this too – where you want to like throw this this shape that like, oh, yeah, I mean, I know all of that. This is just one instance. Like this is this is a rounding error for how much I know about what you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like so recently she did something, one of her most bold and daring things. Heists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm not – I can't even let on that I know about it. I, ha- I had to just like ask her about it casually – and ask about the motivation. Don't ask about the thing. Just ask about wondering why you decided to do that. And she's so sweet. Seeing her little face, like you, you. It's like we, our daughters were on the same age, eight or nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're not used to seeing their little faces melt into into a cry. Oh, and I hate I, that. And, and I had I had said I had asked her why she had decided to do this thing that she did not. She didn't know that I knew that she did. That is fairly serious. And I asked it in a nice way, but I saw her, I wish I had a video, I saw her little face go from, like, wide-eyed surprise to just, like, into the cry, and you have to be like, no, you're not in trouble, it's not, like, you know, I mean, she totally should have been in trouble, but, like, it's not the approach to take with her or whatever, and it just makes you feel so bad and realize they're still just little kids and they don't know anything, and you maybe should explain to them why the thing she did is, like, super terrible, um, but... Well, because you could, you can, like, sit there and actually yell at your kid about, like, 19 different things... And they don't care, and it won't get through, and it doesn't matter. But like you gently try to like you know be a pal and mention this one thing, and they just melt because yeah. you accidentally touched some kind of a vulnerability you didn't know was there, and that's when you feel terrible. That's- or, and she felt like she was going to be in super giant trouble, and hopefully, as my repeatedly doing this, realize you're not in super giant trouble. Really, I really honestly want to know what was going through your head when you decided this was the thing you were going to do, and then we'll talk about the thing that went through your head, and then I can eventually Just finding. <laughs> yeah, I can eventually calmly explain why this was not the thing for you to be doing, but I don't open with that. Hmm. Work works less with taking scissors because she just thinks that is not a very serious offense, and we, no matter how many times we say it's whatever. Oh, why do we do this? Could just gotten uh, adopted, you know, cats and dogs. Well, that's why I feel like uh, your daughter and my daughter should get together. Your daughter is much more sophisticated and, and, than my daughter, and, and form a super team of uh, little girls who are going to rule the world. I would be totally into that. I think your daughter. She seems not to not to talk about kid stuff on the show, but um, your daughter seems more like uh, savvy. She seems more, I don't know. She seems like a little grown up. 
Yeah, it's half and half, because you know what it's like. Like, half the time they seem like that, and half the time they seem like the tiny little girl that you remember them as being. No, I know. I mean, like, on the one hand, like, and it happens within, like, a series of a few minutes. Like, just in the time walking home from camp, like, on the one hand, my daughter can spontaneously mostly rap Cabinet Battle 1, like, on the spot. And she can tell me she can just she can just drop some Hamilton in a way that I find kind of stunning. Love that. Uh, she might mention like, oh, this this scarf I made like this is no big deal. Like, uh, it's you know not very good. And then she'll just in passing mention that like I almost cried all day until I saw this person that I didn't know was going to be there, and I wasn't sad at camp. And she's like, oh god, can you just pick one feeling for me to deal with? <laughs> I don't know which of these to address. And like, and the problem is like if you're me and you're a dangling. And you feel like you have to be super dad and introduce whether that's, you know, uh, the hammer or the hug. You know what I mean? Like, it's if I could be consistent on any one thing, I feel like I could really nail it. But, like, I don't know which thing to be consistent on. And then I realize that there are times when I need to capitulate in the situation. And you just don't know which situation is going to be the really the difficult triggering one. At least you're getting the dumps. At least you're getting the brain dumps. The worst is when you don't, like, my son is not particularly forthcoming. So it's like criminology to figure out what the heck's going on there. I get a debrief. How to if, approach if, it. If and so, like, I'm usually the afternoon person. So, like, when I get her from camp or school, I get an awesome, like, energetic, cheerful debrief on the way home. Like, regardless of how things had gone in the morning or, you know, the weekend or whatever. Like, she's usually she's in a great mood. She's happy to see me. I get this amazing data dump and debrief in the afternoon. And then <laughs> my, my sweet wife, who I, I, I imagine she likes more than me, my wife comes home and I'm like, hey, tell, tell mom how you sang uh, two karaoke songs from Les Mis today. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't tell her that. Don't tell her that. Like, that's secret information. She can't, she can't, like, my, my, my wife cannot know uh, that, that she sang two karaoke songs from Les Mis. I'm like, Mom would love to know that. She's not the musical fan. We are. But, like, that's the other weird good, to come back to good cop, bad cop. Like, who knows which one you're going to get this afternoon. Yeah, it, it's always fun when my kids express, the, again, indignation and surprise that uh, my wife and I talk to each other about the things that they do. Like, like how do you know about like that? Like, you're just loyal. Like, exactly. How, how do you know about that? Well, you told mom. And mom told you? Yeah, we talk sometimes. Sometimes about you. 